0: you guys are really kind like at the end of the day there were a group of people that recognized that they were they were going to suffer severe economic harm and they decided to talk a whole bunch of other people into seceding from the country and then they lost <laughs> i don't understand what what are we talking about like what's what 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 is there to be proud about exactly <laughs> You, you were greedy, and you lost.
1: Alright, welcome to Good Guys Getting Better, I'm Christian Hanley.
2: I'm Aline Boatwright. And I'm John Borden.
1: We're back, back after the holidays, and uh, right now we're about to, what are we now, a week out roughly from the Iowa caucuses?
2: About right. Right now?
1: Yeah. yeah. And uh it's it's kind of nuts. I don't know if you guys have been following it, but it seems like Trump is the uh well not seems he's he's far and away the the favorite and right now just the fight between uh Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis for second place. But I mean what do you all think? I was I was kind of watching some recaps of of prior Iowa caucuses before recording this pod, and they're talking about just how in, in years past there's been so much prognosticating. Everyone thinks they know who's going to win going into it, and then of course the caucuses are not a formal election, right? It's like a, a small fraction of people who actually show up uh, and make make it uh, make or break. You know who's going to the win the the caucuses. Um, and this year, I think they're predicting it's going to be the coldest on record, something like single digits wind and snow. So potentially low turnout, but. Uh, I don't know. What do you all think? Is it is it a definite Trump win or is this all just kind of a foregone conclusion?
0: Well it's funny. I'm looking at some news here. I think one my general take is that there's there's going to be an extreme amount of Trump fatigue in the next mm. over the next year. And I think yeah. you're starting to see it. I mean, even Kim Reynolds, who I believe is the the governor of uh Governor of Iowa is not not endorsing Trump uh in the Iowa caucuses, you know, like I think generally speaking, you know the kind of this slow exodus from Trump, which started i think with um with uh, Rupert Murdoch you know a couple of years mm-hmm. ago, and you know being a little bit more critical with him and and really just kind of hard to support what he is saying, even for you know those that have re- that have Supported him in the past, you know, from a media perspective. Mm-hmm. I just think people are tired, you know. Like I think, you know, yeah. the reality is is that, with the exception of winning the electoral college in the 2016 election, you know, like he hasn't done a whole lot of winning in mm-hmm. a really long time. And I'm not saying that to be funny. I think it is. It that is what it is. And I think yeah. there's a real concern oh, that, that, that the, you know he's going to be holding yeah. together to win the election. You know, and he and, and on top of that, like. He's got to stay on the ballots, <laughs> right? So I, I know. Like right. we're talking as if this is anything but normal. Yeah. Like I think he's off the ballot in two states. Mm-hmm. Well, that, so not to mention like you know the hundred indictments.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean the caucuses themselves. I mean I, I don't think they're ever really a foregone conclusion. I had a, I had a friend who who um, who just a few years out of college he caucused. He was a Republican. He caucused for Obama. Mm. In two in thousand eight, um, and that was uh, that was impressive. Um, a shift in his in his poli- politics, but um, mm-hmm. uh, that just tells you what the opportunity it is, what opportunity sort of exists in a political sphere at a caucus for things to happen that are very unusual. Um, and um, I guess because of that, um, it's not a foregone conclusion, but at the same time. I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. Exactly it's anticipated to happen um, because that's the state of the Republican Party right now, right? And just you know, he's done. yeah, and uh, he 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 carries the day, and and then have Nikki Haley uh, being sort of um, cornered into her uh, her her hypo- hypocritical uh, positions that she's held over the years. People are finally understanding. Wait <laughs> a second, she's really not ready. Um, you know, you know, so, so I mean, her
1: her answer, her answer in New Hampshire about the Civil War, that was that was wild. Wow, talk, talk about it. Let's 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 go right to that one. You know, these are the... i I mean, like you think about, it, like you know, first of all, I'll take a step back. Let me give her a little bit of credit. This is the same governor, of former governor of South Carolina, who did take down the Confederate battle flag from. Uh, state properties from the state house. Although, so, you know, kudos to her for that.
2: Although her explanation for that for how that happened was pretty fascinating. I I listened to her today on that and that, it was it was funny, but go ahead. I we'll come back to that. Well, but what I was going to say is what happened in
1: in New Hampshire was somebody asked her about, you know, the causes of the Civil War, and she went off on this weird tangent about the the limits on on government power and what freedom means mm-hmm. and the the best thing was the same the same person in the crowd who who actually asked the question she turned around on him and went like well what do you think the cause of the civil war was he he, he literally just like doesn't miss a beat and goes well i'm not running for president i want to <laughs> hear what you think you know but I- i'm like like you know, you know we we don't have national elections in this country. We have state by state elections that determine who the president will be. And you are supposed to know, as someone running for that office, or at least your team is supposed to know the differences in the different states and the makeup the of the electorates. New Hampshire is when you're going for even Republican voters, it's an open primary state. People cross over across party lines all the time, and and you've got a huge independent streak. And even at the end of the day, if you're talking about Republicans or or more conservative of leaning independence it's still a new england state Mm. like what made you think you needed to split the difference there or or pander to confederate sympathizers
2: in new hampshire staying true to her training (laughs) (laughs) she was trained well by the racists in south (laughs) this is what happened so i guess (laughs) she she even just i I forget what day it was but she went on to talk about that that, the, the confederate flag situation she was like. Well, you know, uh, you know, I had half the state who who believed that the that the flag meant pride, and and other half that the state that the, that believed that the flag meant uh, racism and secession. Mm-hmm. It only meant racism and secession. So you if you <laughs> owed it to your state constituents to recognize that yes, there were half people who were wrong. And half people who were right. Mm-hmm. Don't pretend that yeah. they're both right. You know. So, and that, that's the problem, is that she has no courage in that respect, because she doesn't even have none to now. Like, now yeah. she's just, yeah. you know, now she's just continuing her training, right? You know? <laughs> so, it's, it's like a reflex. The, the you pop- gotta
1: love that whole argument about the, the idea about it being heritage. I mean, have you seen that, that meme that makes the rounds, or it's made the rounds a few times, of, like, things that have lasted longer than the Confederacy? And it's, it's, like, it's just a list of ridiculous things, like, you know, the McRib the Star Wars franchise, like all these things like the Confederacy lasted for something like, I don't know, fifty two months all in, something like that. Like exactly. it's not
2: <laughs> Like how are you gonna pretend as though this was great <laughs> the rebel that that tried right. to destroy the country and enslaved people? And somebody you gotta have in right. that. Right? That's prime that's a shame. <laughs> Like that's a, that was a moment of shame for our country and for even the people mm-hmm. the states that, that were part of it. But yet we want to pretend Yeah. To- Thing to be yeah yeah you guys are really
0: kind like at the end of the day there were a group of people that recognized that they were they were going to suffer severe economic harm and they decided to talk a whole bunch of other people into seceding from the country and then they lost <laughs> I don't understand what what are we talking about like what's what 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 is there to be proud about
2: Exactly <laughs>
0: You you were greedy and you lost. Like, yeah. there, there isn't, to me, there isn't... What are we harkening back to? To your point, if we're talking about 52 months. You know, like, we're, we're talking about a couple of years. Like, what what Southern pride are we talking about? Where where in the South are we talking about? Exactly, yeah. Like, yeah, you, you... Oh, don't I, get
1: me wrong. There are, there are things in the South you can be proud of. You can be proud of Dolly Parton, cornbread, <laughs> smoky barbecue ribs. Fine. <laughs> hey, look,
2: like, absolutely.
1: But... That that
2: really uh, no it, it so 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 the bottom line bringing it back to uh, 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 our friend Nikki uh, she's just not ready um, you know obviously anybody's more ready than Donald Trump but the, but I, I I hate to draw that yeah because that's not that's a false uh, false choice right but the reality is is that yeah I mean we've already seen how not ready DeSantis so. So it, it is tragic that we are in this space where we're choosing a president with people who we would not choose to do anything, any other job. Literally, no other mm-hmm. job would I choose any of. I mean, Nikki Haley may have some the intelligence to do several things. DeSantis and Trump just don't. Like, there's nothing I would choose them to do, and that's the peculiarity of politics that you if and and this is actually. This is a good point. This is a, this is a good opportunity for me to interject uh, the situation with uh, with Cat Williams. Uh, this is this is a fascinating. Watch this. Watch this now. Watch this. <laughs> so so you guys haven't been as, 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 as embroiled in this one as I have because I've been watching it and no having heated conversations with friends over this interview that Cat Williams had with Shannon Sharp on his uh, Club Shay Shay his his podcast hugely popular uh uh event thirty five million views in, in in less than a week Dang. now when he went wow. you know, just for our audience who may not have seen this it may be in the, the the few percent who haven't haven't heard about it uh he went on and, and i'm bringing it i'm going to bring it back to bring it back to politics so hold stay with me stay with me <laughs> right, so, so, so he's on the show. we're listening he he goes on the show uh and basically he just begins to air grievances right he talks about how uh, other comedians have lied on him. Other other comedians have stolen jokes from him and, and how, uh, you know, they, they they can't hold a candle to his talent and this, that, and the third, and how, you know, how they're part of a cabal and, and how uh, uh, um, uh, ludicrous is part of the Illuminati and how Kevin Hart, you know, hasn't had a role in five years that he hasn't had an opportunity to come down first. And when he has to take uh, shucking and jiving out of a, uh, out of a script, Kevin Hart didn't, and then Kevin Hart got the role, and and how Ricky Smiley uh uh, uh lied when he said he got chosen for a certain role uh, in in next Friday first, and then uh and then it was given to him later. He they everybody lied and lied and lied, and, and and all these men wearing dresses who are comedians, they're a disgrace. Yet he plays a pimp and is proud of it. But uh, he didn't <laughs> he didn't say that part. Neither did she. Now I won't go into how all the parts about how Shannon Sharp has got got a little bit of heat for being an extraordinarily bad interviewer. Because he didn't challenge anything mm. that there there like, but he wasn't really, in the Sharp's defense, he wasn't really interviewing, he was just having a conversation. That's what he said. Right. But anyway, the bottom line is this. The response of the public in certain demographics to this interview was like, go Cat Williams, right? You are a truth-sayer, right? You are turning this, this Hollywood on its head. You know, Steve Harvey and Cedric the Entertainer and these guys and, and Kevin Hart who are rich and... and and they're 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 part of this uh, part of hollywood and and they did you wrong and and you tell it you tell it cat you know this is this is the response right mm-hmm. um and I've mm-hmm. seen this over and over again and and very few people had recognized the immense hypocrisy in his conversation. I'll just give you an example. He sat there and told people that they were liars while at the same time mm-hmm. he read three thousand books a year from the ages of eight to twelve. <laughs> Straight face. That wasn't a joke. That's eight books a day. <laughs> he told people. He sat there, and told people, "I can run." As we sit here, right okay, here, I can run a four one six forty meter forty yard dash. <laughs> <No> <laughs> lie. What? Go no five. He sat there and talked fast. Deion right. Sanders in
0: his prime. Is that what he just said? No, at that <laughs> moment there, while he was sitting, here, he started with four he stayed,
2: To his to his he credit. Run Right now, he could run faster than Deion Sanders in his prime. His problem. absolutely. That that was his that was his claim, and he started with four three. Then he said four. He said four one six. You know and he, he and he was serious. Now, Shannon Sharp, you know, being a football player, he probably he did hit on X A. He said, "Well, you run the subway, right? You can run the subway. <laughs> you ain't gonna run." <laughs> you, know, he said, "You ain't gonna run." Uh, four. No, but he, he didn't even he didn't dig on in on that. But Chad, but he stuck to it and he sat there and talked about the men wearing dresses and emasculating black men in, in film and didn't even acknowledge his his pimp roles that he does constantly um he he sat there and talked about um women not you know wanting to be, women wanting to be the alpha and that being bad for relationships and and talk, you know, he, he just went on all of these different things and had all of this different uh, uh, hip, hypocritical uh, uh, through lines to 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 what he was saying, and all of these 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 bombastic statements and wild things that he was saying. You know, the man has been to he's been to jail probably twenty times in the past ten years as a celebrity, right? So it's not like you know he's just you know he said he he ran away from home at the age of ten and and was on the street and, and all kinds of things and 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 found that, you know he was making oh what did he say he was making uh you know. $2,000 a day or so, something crazy stealing car radios. I'm like, man, I, if, I was, if you made that much stealing car radios, it'd probably be a bigger business. But the reality is that he just he had all these outlandish statements. But because what he said resonated with a group of people who felt the way he felt, it didn't matter how ridiculous it was, right? It didn't matter how absurd the things he was saying set, sounded. All that mattered to people was that he was hitting Hollywood, because Hollywood is the bad guy to a certain class or a certain group of people who who look down on that kind of wealth. Now they don't look down on 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 uh, 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 Elon Musk well, they, they don't look down on uh, Rupert Murdoch well, they don't look down on all the other. They look down on Hollywood wealth for whatever the reason. That's been that's what they've been trained been trained over a certain number of years to do that. So even though he doesn't, his politics, his 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 statements, ideology, and his uh, core fan base doesn't really even overlap that well with a Donald Trump. What overlaps is the sensibilities of the listeners, right? They they all want the same thing. They want to punish their enemy, right? They want to speak- yeah, it's owning libs. Yeah, they want someone to speak out against their enemy, they right? Want- aggressively to their enemy. What, what struck me, and this is, this is something, in, in, in the urban community, a lot of times we talk about who's hating on who. Like, somebody's hating on them and hating on them, right? This was the most obvious like the display of hate I've ever seen on TV, right? right. about the urban community. The urban community, right? This, well, I guess it has, it, has, it has spread past the urban community. Well, now it goes out into... The, the I say black community, man. Why did you just say? Why not you say the blacks? The black, the blacks, the, black. <laughs> <laughs> well, the blacks. Say you that, t- that,
0: t- no, no, <laughs> but
2: but 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 the but the reality is that you know this this was the biggest display of hate, somebody hating as I ever, ever as I've ever seen. And I'm not even one to really use that term because I feel like it's you know people are somewhat they overuse <clears clears> it. Like sometimes people are calling hate legitimate criticism. They're calling hate, but the reality is is that he took you know he targeted guys who were more successful commercially than he is, and he started to come at them for their commercial success because he felt as though he should be sharing in that success in some way, and he was trying to make himself very relevant. It was kind of transparent, but nobody's calling that hate who wanted to hear what he had to say. They're calling the guys who are defending themselves against him, they're calling them the haters. It's like, it's 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 crazy, and it's the same concept. Mm-hmm. You have uh, Donald Trump sitting up and talking about you know, the, the one of the wealthiest, uh, 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 you know, robber barons you could find, right? <laughs> you know, talking about uh, manufacturing and how the Democrats aren't going to help you while he does everything he can find to to not pay people what they're worth, right? In, in every mm-hmm. business he's been involved in, right? He'll sit up there and talk. To have about all his May, make America great again hats made in China. in China, exactly. All of his yeah. line of clothes that people he once had was made in China, you know, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, talking about, you know, uh, black folks, what do you got to lose? You know, while at the same time, he he didn't see fit to let us live in his homes in 1978, you know, in 80, in his properties. Mm. But it's like hypocrisy is just people turn a blind eye to it and they believe what they want to believe. That's the bottom line with this is that people will believe what they want to believe. It's just that. And I don't know what you do about that i I because what what happens they immediately stop listening to anything that doesn't align with what they want to believe and so once you cut that off you mm-hmm. cut off the truth and you only want to listen to you know okay well what, what what's matching what's on my timeline of social media that that aligns with my thinking, then I'm good you know it, it's it's sad and, and, and it just just for, for for clarification i'm not a i'm I'm not a big fan of Steve Harvey said the entertainer Ricky Smiley. Or Cat Williams, to with you. I so I didn't have a dog in the fight, as I say, but mm. I just I did recognize that this is kind of kinda of fun. So you, you were an undecided voter, basically. Yeah, you were an just, undecided
1: voter watching. This was this was your this this is how we got from like the example of the Iowa caucuses in a snow squall and huh. and talking to a room full of white people in New Hampshire to a feud between Cat Williams. <laughs> by the way, by the way, was 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 the, uh, the 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 dig about men wearing dresses and was was that
2: who, what was that about? Was that about so is that a Medea
0: reference? No, yeah, so like
2: Madea, he, he lumped Tyler Perry into that as well. So so the 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 idea. Is that, I was gonna say, have you seen Tyler Perry's house? I'll put on a muumuu I, to, to make that kind of money. Are you kidding me? I mean, I mean, they're, they're okay. I, so, and, and John, I don't know how much <laughs> you, you've thought about this, and you jump in as well. But th- in our community, um, the emasculation of men, right? Um, over the over the 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 last fifty years, well, since since we've been in this in this country, as you know, as as indentured servants and as free men. Um th- it, it not, wasn't that. <laughs> it was worse. It was worse that. Is really that there, there was a there was a deliberate effort to to make to, to make the man in our household less. And and that, you know, that's well documented. And the, the, the concept is that comedians and actors have continued this tradition through their mm. um, willingness to dress up as female characters and, and feminize themselves in a way uh, and present that to the to the public. Um, so I think it's it's some it's a concern rooted in fact that has gotten exaggerated because of um, I think because of the, the the pain frankly and the grief over many many decades. So there are, there are a lot of people you'll see that say I'll never put on a dress on camera, right? I'll never you know um, you know play a woman at that, that type of thing. But at the same time, there's a long tradition of very successful Black comedians who played women characters, you know, going back. To one before <laughs> Flip Wilson and um, uh, Geraldine, to to uh, mm. Murphy and, and Martin Lawrence, and you know, a lot, of- right, right. Um, so that was that you know, in his you know, it culminates in the Medea, you know, <laughs> character, which a lot of the black community has some issues with. John, you want to jump in on that? Just the thoughts on what? what- we, yeah, my my only thought, not a strong opinion here.
0: He's not the first person to express their frustration with this. I think what what he might have been better served saying is that um this shouldn't be a path to success. So I think the argument that people have made, I think Chappelle might have actually made this argument. Um, but there was some comedian that, you know, your path or actor, black actor, that um your role to success shouldn't be in putting on a dress. You know, so like you've got limited limited archetypes that are available to black men in Hollywood. And this is one of them. And then that's I think when you lump in Um, which, you know, is obviously a very heterocentric position, but, um, you lump in this idea that you are then emasculated, um, once you get to Hollywood, like the only way for you to, to reach prominence is emasculation. And it's like, you know, you take away so many other things, you know, you're also going to take away this, this, this little shred of dignity that I have. Um, I don't think, I mean, like I've heard a little bit about, you know, this and Cat Williams I know a lot of people are talking about it right now. But like, I don't think it's really compelling. Like, I think it's ironic that he is, has so many issues with people stealing his material. And in fact, the, some of the things that I've heard are not his novel ideas at all.
3: No. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, like that, that's the great irony, <laughs> you know? So it's like, you know, and assuming that, you know, because people are successful, they're in the Illuminati. Like that is, that is quintessential <laughs> black belt. Like when all else fails. Well, it's also
1: it's also where the 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 conspiracy theory thing crosses over, much like the whole thing you were talking about a minute ago, Aleem, with with just how if you've got people who are you've got your captive audience who only want to hear your side of things.
3: Yeah. Where yeah, the Venn I,
1: diagram overlaps.
0: I'm gonna tell you my great one of my greatest fears when uh, misinformation got the accelerator the accelerator button pushed back when Donald Trump was elected it was like, yo, please mm. don't give a microphone to the black barbershop. And like, I know I'll probably get in some trouble for this, but like, man, you want to hear some, some like real sloppy conspiracies. Like, yo, fam, <laughs> go sit in the barbershop, man. Like, I, you know, I'm not going to put this person on front street, but I used to, um, I think I told you guys the story before, but I used to have a barber and like, he was cool. Like when you, back when you needed one, or back back when I used to, yeah, all right, man, all right, man. My own hair. Christian, uh, Christian thinks he's slick because he was out here. He showed up to the birthday party this past weekend. And stop, like, Yo, stop. You know, no, this hair? nothing. You know, look at this. You brought skin. it up, not me. I didn't bring up my hair at all. I just
1: walked in out of the rainstorm. <laughs> like, I just walked out
2: of the rain, and oh,
0: they were like angels singing. Uh, <laughs> and it was like this angelic moment he had like he was radiating i yeah, oh totally yeah. Oh say, <laughs> like, yeah yeah <laughs> it's exactly how it happened, just like that, but yeah. at any rate, so I, the reason I like the reason I like this barber is because he like you get in he's like, yo, he kept his appointments, he was timely, <clears throat> wasn't a lot of talking, we got in the chair, everyone else would be talking about like ridiculous stuff like you know whatever like anything you could think of like just mass information like the the barbershop was just a collection space of mass information but he never participated i'm like you know what that's good cuz i'm not talking i, do. I don't want to talk about my hair cut and go out one day for whatever reason um he i don't know how hillary clinton came up but it was like it was the trigger of all triggers and then he went mm-hmm. on this tirade about how she was part of the skull and bones and how they all are, and she just on and on and on about he, how she was part of some secret cabal that was trying to rule the world. It, I, I couldn't believe this guy that had been so silent was so convinced that she was a part of a, a secret society at a school that she didn't go to, that only. Right. That. And I, <laughs> right. I'm like, you know, and at that point, I was like, yo, bro, like, appreciate the haircut. I got to go. And it was at that moment I started mm-hmm. cutting my own hair. But at any rate, um, <laughs> so the point is, it's like you know there, the there is such um, like deep and historic like distrust, and I think that's where misinformation has this breeding ground. You know, like when you yeah in pain for so long, it's like yo this can't be real. But like, you just you just start making up a fantasy because the reality can just be so devastating and so oppressive. Uh, but next- or it's
1: the fact that the world is so complicated And things are changing so fast It don't make sense anymore To a lot of people I'm not saying that about any particular one phenomenon Or going on in society But what you want to talk about You were talking a moment ago, Aline Basically about the idea of gender roles And where that comes up against a certain tradition Fraught tradition in, in entertainment But I, also much more broadly Things about technology Artificial intelligence, the economy If things like that are just advancing so quickly that people can't really grapple with them don't have time to process them then yeah having one cohesive story with an arc and a conclusion that ties it all together I mean that on some level is comforting for people I mean when you're not into it that's not your way of doing things and you hear it at the barbershop yeah it sounds insane but I think that that's kind of where that emotional impulse to, to delve into those conspiracy theories comes from it's comforting
0: I wanna It talk makes about, things make sense. I want to go back to Haley for a second. So there was another, there was a couple of interesting stories about her this weekend. Talking yeah. about making your own art. Some of it is just kind of like gossipy and, and chatty, but uh, her basically renaming her husband. Did you read about this? No. So There was this story recently, I mean, it's, it's definitely making the rounds, but basically they met in college and his first name is William. Hmm. Okay. And up to that point in his life, he was known as William. And she said, you know okay. what? What's their whole name? And his middle name is Michael. And she's like, you know what? You don't look like a William or a Bill. You're a Michael. So she just started calling him Michael. And that is what he has been since. Wow. All of his friends prior to like, whatever was like his sophomore, or junior year in high school. I mean, in college mm-hmm. rather knew him as William. And now they're like, she's like, no, this is Michael. And he just, and she put it in her book, apparently too. But- the issue ironically enough though that like, is weird it, it is weird like the that's weird i what do you guys think i this is a personal issue with me it what i don't i i understand um kind of like whitewashing your identity do you guys mm-hmm. know what her first name is
3: I,
1: I used to i i know that she claimed in I forget if something she had written or if she said it in a public appearance, but she claimed that she was white, despite her ancestry, that, that somehow, for whatever reason, it's, it's still qualified, qualified. it's still counted, or however she phrased it as her being white. But her name, remind me, what what is her um, name her again? Her name is
0: Nimarata Randwa. Mm. Mm-hmm. Rindawa. Rind- Nimarata Rindawa, uh, Of Punjabi descent. Hmm. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, first generation.
2: Is she is she fully fully uh Indian or is her is is her both parents Indian? Uh, yes. Wow. And it it's interesting because like
0: Nikki Haley, you know, you don't think twice about it. Nope. um, she presents an event, but it, but it's fascinating to me the contortions, not just her, but the contortions, even people of color in the Republican Party, you have to make in order to justify. And if not champion the things that are in front of you, yeah, you know, like Mm -hmm. I think it's okay. I'd love to hear Republicans say, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the Civil War was about slavery, okay. Like, well, ironically, I'm not sure if you heard how this party got started, but (laughs) but they used to be very clear on that point. Well, and 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 like you know, and it's funny to your point, like you can't have it both ways. You can't be like, oh well, it was the Democrats that okay, fine, then then are you anti-slavery? Are you anti-racist? You know, like right. like you, you, you pick, like, you know, you can't have it both ways. Mm-hmm. But anyway, like, you know, someone like Nikki Haley, who has to go in in to and I can understand the reasons I think that people would be attracted to the Republican Party. I don't agree with them, but I understand it. You know, like it's basically this gilded road to gilded road to wealth and privilege. Mm-hmm. And if you just mm-hmm. ignore all the other stuff that is totally <laughs> your interest. It's like right. you can be rich and that's all that matter. You just have to hate mm-hmm. people that look like you. You have to actively work against their interests. You got to be comfortable like lying to people's faces. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and if you're okay with that, and we're, you know, like, look, I'm not here to measure what's a big lie or, you know, a small lie, but, you know, some of the Republican lies are dumb, you know, like, Hey man, mm-hmm. uh, mission, mission accomplished with a Mm -hmm. big banner trickle
1: down economics
0: yeah yeah like you just come up like welfare queens yeah like let's just come up with really obvious easily disprovable lies and it doesn't make a difference whether it's true or not we just need to convince you that it's true
2: exactly yeah and and that's the approach interestingly enough and i think that people learned a lot from uh the the trump way right and that's really that's literally what he did and I, and I I watched it sort of, it felt like slow motion, right? Going back to 2015 and so forth. I just, you hear it, he'll say something that's demonstrably untrue. And of course, our media was, was you know, a party to it. But nobody ch- nobody, nobody initially challenges him. And then he just repeats it over and over again. Mm-hmm. He ignores any criticisms or, or, or calls that, hey, that's not true. Because the, the, that's never strong enough to, to overcome mm-hmm. it over and over and over again. And once you say something over and over and over again, there are going to be people who believe you. Now, with him, because yeah. he wanted him in his in the role he was in, there was that number of people who believed the lies grew and grew and grew, and then mm-hmm. anything he said was not going to be a lie. It couldn't be a lie because it came from him. And this, do you think the psychology of that is so fascinating to me?
0: Do you think it's because people just don't like being confrontational? No, you know, like if I don't. If we were, yeah, no, right. here's what I'm, thinking. No. Here's what I'm don't thinking finish the thought though I'm talking about interviewing like you know right now oh, yeah, yeah. I- I'd love to do an exercise where without notice you just make up a lie like as we're mm-hmm. as we're just doing the pod you just make up a lie and in real time you know you think about hey man was that true or not like you might not know the answer and I think what Donald Trump realizes mm-hmm. that he can sell something that's partially true that might be true something that he deeply believes that you can't disarm in a short period of time and then that gets just recycled you know the way that the internet works the way that the news media works you know like for example and, you and, know and it doesn't have to be we just talking about cat williams <sighs> like things that, like yo fam you read a thousand three thousand books a year from the <laughs> ages of eight to twelve like you you can i mean it's if you don't want to be confrontational, if you and I get, you don't want to embarrass your guests. Mm-hmm. You don't want, you want to keep the interview. You want to get mm-hmm. your clicks. You want to get your views. Everyone's, you know, got the same issue, you know, but right. it's like, okay, like, you know, he's going to lie. And I think the news media is actually getting better with like, yo man, like that, that we're not going to give you the benefit of the doubt. You just make up stuff. Yeah. And the same with as yeah. some of these more extreme people, like anybody putting a microphone on Marjorie Taylor green. As a matter of fact, People take the microphone away from her. Like, I think I was yeah. in December. Like, she was trying to crash an interview, and they just like, yo, cut the interview, man. Like, this is done. Like, she's just trying to crash in and just yell stuff. like, yo, come on. Like, you, we, we know that you're just, you, you're lying, and you know it.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah, but I mean, yes, yes, about that. But also, it's not like Trump, Trump didn't figure that out for himself, right? I mean, that that's been, that's been the techniques of of propaganda for since it was invented, right? Like, since since mass media became a thing and and especially during world war 2 but i mean in other instances too but when you talk about just that repetition repetition that, that that that's how he turned himself from being an actual flesh and blood person into being just a brand a walking talking brand True. i mean if you talk about whatever Burger King, Coca-Cola, whatever. I mean, you you can't think about an entire, like, you know, sentence or paragraph about them. It's just you have, like, a a certain thing that pops into mind. It's one word or one phrase and one color scheme and whatever. I mean, he's done that with himself. Mm -hmm. Um, When it comes to the lying, yeah, it's – and I know everyone hates the the Nazi comparisons, but goddammit, he reads the books and the comparison is apt. But, I mean – if you have a small lie where it's something where you can tell how it's a little bit different than what you know, you can kind of go like, hey, wait a minute, that's, that's not quite accurate. If it's something so in your face that you don't even have time to, like, get into it, and then they bring up a second lie, then a third lie, and it becomes that onslaught of lies – it's, it's exhausting. It's cognitively exhausting. And you you don't, it isn't so much that the interviewer has to let them get away with it or want someone like Trump to get away with it. It's that you just can't keep up. It's that fire hydrant in your face. And that's what they, they, they know that that's how it works. And that was my point about uh, when we were talking offline before about Elise Stefanik, who's now who's gone from being this educated and sort of at least publicly appearing moderate Republican to now being this Trump lackey who goes on meet the press yesterday. And all she does is just just parrot his talking points about how the January 6 rioters who are in prison for their crimes for assault in the Capitol are prisoners or political prisoners in their own country. They're hostages to use her word. I mean, just parroting those those trump fascist talking points i mean that's that's what it is they know that it just burns you out the conspiracy theories the lying the yelling it's exhausting and people just eventually relent Mm
3: -hmm. Mm
2: no yeah
0: you know funny first off i don't know if i compare um trump to a nazi but maybe hitler you know like i think you know i think he he has aspirations to do the same I'd be, mm-hmm. I and I would, I'm not saying that there aren't Nazi in, inclinations, uh, but, you know, you've got Hitler, and then you've got, like, the organizational prowess of the Nazi party, and I think that is where, like, if you're going to fight a battle on two fronts, like, I think you need to hold him out as a Hitler, yeah. you know, like, he's not the first person to, like, hold it. I mean, like, I think our founders would specifically try to protect and put guardrails in place to prevent someone exactly like this you know
3: mm-hmm.
0: questionable about it done but then the party itself you know like look if you want to go all the way back you know like this is maybe the argument that you make for not having political parties in general you know like it can be this concentration of power i mean like you could even i mm-hmm. for what it's worse, they seem more like the the communist party in china you know like they are looking for a really closed a really closed group of people that make up the party that more or less have to pass a purity test to be Mm -hmm. in the party. And then they just they consolidate power. They have elections. And then they just basically cut everyone else off. Like it seems like they're more like that. I think Donald Trump certainly seems a lot more like I mean like almost like carbon copy like Hitler. But like Mm. the the party itself what concerns me, it's more like the communist party in China and less of and less of the Nazi Party,
2: it just I, I think part of the reason that people have difficulty with the comparisons with Hitler and the Nazis is that it's almost like Donald Trump is the kinder, gentler uh, Hitler, and that he's less intelligent, right? So he he can't he can't think uh, and come up with strategy on how to to, to screw people. He just does. He, he's all the surface part of Hitler, right? And well, I think no, I think
0: Hitler like Hitler would Hitler. What Donald Trump does is a lot like what Hitler does. Like it was these massive shows of, oh yeah,
3: yeah, mm-hmm.
0: you know, like these public
2: pageantry and uh, ego. All was, yeah. he was—he he definitely intended to be, intends and, and to be, and, and, and to follow that model. It, people might, you know, not believe that, but it's pretty clear that that's that's the model. That's the closest political model he's he's finding <laughs> is, is well, well, well. Don't forget though. Don't forget though that that it,
1: it people look back. On that time, the the rise of fascism in Central Europe and World War Two, knowing how the story ends and then kind of the problem with knowing how the story ends is that in and of itself creates a certain amount of bias. If you actually look back at at snapshots of, of how that that descent into madness happened throughout the 1920s and 30s, before we get to the end of the war, the Holocaust, the genocide, all of that, I'm talking 15 years prior. Yeah. You don't have 20 years prior, even more. You don't have this well-organized machine. You don't have this this charismatic leader. You have this guy who was a failure, who had daddy issues. Sorry if this sounds very familiar, Um, who who failed in his own initial career. He wanted to be an artist, Hitler, that is. Um, He was not this brilliant tactician. He failed in his initial attempt to overthrow the Weimar Republic. Uh, It wasn't the fact that he was brilliant. It was the fact that he tapped into people's fears and anxieties, caused mass hysteria. And what made the entire system work, whether you're talking about the propaganda operation, the military operation, any of it, was not him himself. it, It was an entire team of people who were just as evil, but much more brilliant and behind the scenes. And Trump has not, Trump has dealt with having a mixture of loyalists like that around him and some people he could pass off as being, quote unquote, mainstream in his first administration, which, of course, he had turnover every couple of months. But this next go around, the only people he's going to have around him will be loyalists. And those are the people who are the most dangerous because they are the enablers. They are the ones who are going to make sure that while he is riling up the crowds and keeping that political strength going, that someone is handling the propaganda, someone's handling the law, someone's handling the military, someone's handling the economy. It's not gonna be him.
2: So that's a good 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 clarification. Thanks, thanks for that, uh, Christian, because that, that's that's the important the po- important history that, that is often missed. And you know, people focus on the the, the, the mass murder conclusion of it, right? That, yeah. Right. Like no it didn't start that way. Yeah. And there's no comparison to that, which is why people have the problem with the comparison so much is because, okay, well, we're, you know, you don't have a present day, you know, comparison to a mass murder that ends in the killing of millions of people. Well, and that's the
1: problem is that people say, well, he's not Hitler. It's like, well, right. But in 1928, Hitler wasn't Hitler. He wasn't Hitler
0: until he was Hitler. That, like, look, it, I mean, it's, it's really, I don't think it's that hard to, you know, I'm going to go back to what I said. Like, you could also clearly make the the comparison to the, the way that the nazi party rolled out its onslaught on humanity i mean like donald trump kids in cages Mm. like what are we talking Mm -hmm. about like that that just happened you know like and it 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 was not it 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 happened and it was like widespread you Mm -hmm. know like i know that you it maybe the inclination is to get caught up on like the sheer volume and the sheer magnitude of what he did, but you got to start somewhere. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's 100% that. And to your point, like post-World War One, there was also this feeling in Germany of, of shame, you know, mm-hmm. like and loss, in regret. Yep. And, you know, that can be a powerful thing. You know, we just talked about, you know, the uh, emasculation in the community. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that, you know, Germany is emasculated in the same way that we were just talking about. But I do think when you feel like something that's really dear to you is being taken away, if not violently taken away, that creates a void, like you want to fill it. And I think that's another thing he was able to do. You know, like, again, I don't know German, but I think it. I think it's a great historical irony that Donald Trump has chosen make America great again. Like, again, if you want to start looking at Hitler, I think it was the same thing again. Like, this will be mm-hmm. another great country again. And like, we will rise from the ashes of our humiliation. And I am a thousand year Reich. Mm, Exactly. You know, so, yeah. like, again, I don't think Donald Trump is, I don't even think he's good at lying. Like, at least, you know, some, uh, like, at least there was some decorum in lying, you know, with his predecessors. And I thought George Bush was a bad liar. And like, Donald Trump (laughs) was, I think it is, I think it's a combination of impulse control I think it's 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 driven by something that is clearly and nakedly like his self interest.
3: Well, but the, I don't
0: even think he recognizes that he's acting in the same way that Hitler did. This, this might, I don't. Even, I wouldn't give him that credit. I don't think he's that. I just don't think he. I don't. I don't give him that credit.
2: This, this might be another good segue, but I feel like with with everything with Trump and we we've really started to grade on a curve. We went from Obama, who really literally had to be incredible at everything, right? Mm-hmm. The way yeah. he would. He would present ideas, the way he would he would articulate. I mean, he had his his, his quirks and speech, but they were all for the purpose of almost delivering a perfect statement. You know, it was like he had to do that in order mm-hmm. to accept it, right? Yeah. Donald absolutely no of those none of those standards. People accept whatever he says and tries to make it acceptable on that level. I have never heard him give a speech mm-hmm. that would even have been acceptable in, in a middle in a junior high school. Like literally. I, no the the, the 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 level of sophistication in 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 his language his his cadence i mean his is is his sentence structure they're all just bad, but for some reason well he can't finish a single
1: thought he doesn't finish a thought he just meanders it's just the entire thing is a two hour long run on sentence
2: exactly so so how how do we go from obama having to be way up here to trump that nobody cares like that that is and,
1: and we go the- oh, I think you. I think you know the answer to that one. I, I think, I think you do. I don't
0: know if you're keeping count, Christian. That's like number three. Yeah, that's number three at least. That's number three at least. And then he said, the indentured servants.
2: Like, hey, what are we doing, Aleem? What, what are we doing? Well, that's my point. Said, I'm, I'm, trying to let, I'm trying to let our own draw these conclusions without me telling them. That's that's the whole point. The bottom line is is that you know I feel like. We, you know, it, it goes back to the point I was making earlier in that we accept, when, when we find what we want, it doesn't really matter when it has what we don't want associated with it. We, we strip all that off and ignore it, right? He's he's saying things, or he's making points that resonate with me, so I don't care if he's an idiot. I'm just going just to latch mm-hmm. on to it. He's got and everybody like me is latching on to it, so we're all in it together. Yeah, he talks like a mm-hmm. traitor. Fine, yeah, he does things that a thirteen-year-old would do. Fine, but uh, the the bottom line is, I think, you know, and and and, and, and I guess the the segue point, I, I I you know, I think this might be a bit of a controversial topic. Was that other the other uh, video I sent you guys earlier? Um, yeah, you, you remember the, the the yeah, anybody yeah. jump in on yeah, uh, just the thought. I don't know. So the
0: the my immediate thought when I because so first off I looked at. Listen, for like, for our listeners and for our viewers, um, there was a post and a woman, a teacher, I don't know if it was a woman, a teacher, uh, had given a list of, of phrases and words that were not acceptable or that she wouldn't use in the classroom. And, you know, stuff like you couldn't say like, bruh or bruh. bruh. Yeah. You know, or a variety of, there's yeah. no cap. You know, like you, you know, that slaps, like there's a variety of different phrases. And as I read her intro and then I read the list, the thing that stood out to me, and this is even before I listened to the video, the, I can't think of the woman's name, but I'm familiar with. She's, her. um, yeah. A psychologist, psychologist as a, a psychologist. channel yep. she is incredibly, you know, thoughtful and intelligent, intellectually rigorous, mm. um, but also entertaining. I mean, she's creating content with the internet, so it's, it's a yeah. combination effect. But anyway, the thing that was interesting to me was that the 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 teacher was trying to say, like, you guys aren't speaking proper English, and basically and no one talks like that. And as I was mm-hmm. reading, there's an element where I can understand, like, oh, okay, like, you want to you want to make sure that you have a command of the language. Mm-hmm. But where this person falls short, in my opinion, is that the purpose of language is communication, mm-hmm. right? You know, so you aren't, you know, the purposes of language isn't to be perfect at speaking it. The The purpose of language is to be able to communicate ideas to the person that you're talking to with words. And really, and just sounds. So where, and then I started listening to the video, and then that's when you start to layer in, like, you know, a lot of, the slang is rooted in hip hop culture, is rooted in black culture, is is mm-hmm. formulated yeah. from places where there is an absence of absence information. So I definitely in my personal life, like I definitely I want to know the English language in the same way that I want to know Arabic. In the same way that, you know, I want to learn French. Mm-hmm. Like I want to learn the language bit, I want to learn it to communicate, not because I want to be able to say like I speak flawless Arabic, mm-hmm. like Fusa or or Parisian French, or the Queen's mm-hmm. the King's English. Like, I don't care about that. The whole point is communication. Now to give credit, mm-hmm. I had a professor in college, Dr. Chiji Akoma. His thing was communication is a dance
3: mm-hmm.
0: and, and it is unique to mm-hmm. your partner. Mm-hmm. So if that is the language, if that's what you need to use to communicate your ideas, that's right. what you use. Like what good is knowing perfectly inside and out the English language? If the person that you're speaking to has no idea what you're talking about. Uh-huh. So right. I, you know, I, I'm I'm totally with her. And then you obviously layer on the colonialism, you layer on the racism, <laughs> like all of these things that are are are, are creations mm-hmm. to make people feel like they're inferior. And then what I love that she said is that then you start to work in reverse of what the goal of the classroom is. Students feel mm-hmm. like they're not heard. And when they're not heard, they're less likely to contribute. They're more likely to tune out. And then you, you right. encourage the cycle. You know, I actually love, you know, there's so many content creators that seem to have this wonderful awareness, like, yeah, okay, I I can do it, mm-hmm. but I'm not. As a matter of fact, I'm going to actively not do it. I'm going to actively use whatever I feel like, whatever words are at my disposal to communicate to the people that I want to talk to. I don't need mm-hmm. to talk a certain way just because I need to demonstrate how great my English is.
2: Sure, sure. So I'm curious, Christian, what what are your thoughts on, on that, on the because it, this gets this one gets a little complicated for me. I find myself uh, mm. uh, differing, in my opinion, uh, from a lot of from a lot of people who I usually would align with on most other things. And it's possible mm. because of how I I have uh, maybe been raised, and because of how I I have such a, a certain appreciation for language. But I, I first of all, let me just say, I align myself with what, what John said. But at the same time, I mm-hmm. feel like there is space. For this type of thing, for a teacher to do this type of thing, but
0: I wanted to—I to, I, wanted to I just think she—she—it was flawed. It was flawed, and,
2: it. It, it, and again, we don't know yeah. the details on how she executed it either. But at the same time, if she, yeah, she had, if she had embraced culture before having something like this, I'll I give you. Let me just start from this, this standpoint. If you're in a class to learn a foreign language, and you, you know, I know Christian, you're you 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 speak French fluently, mm. so. In a class that you're teaching, that, that you're learning French in, some French professors might say, you're not speaking English in my class because you're learning French, mm-hmm. right? So Yes, that <laughs> happened to me. I got kicked out. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, I, and I had yes. trouble with that, which is why I didn't ever learn French. Yeah. <laughs> what the reality is, is that yeah. um, the same thing can be said of this type of dynamic. Is if you're in an English class, I don't want you using slang English. I want you to use the English I'm speaking you, right? And... Right. Leave this class as long as you learn the lessons that I was teaching in in the class. You can do whatever you want. Is what whatever is most effective to communicate. To John's point, that's the purpose of people, yeah of, of of language, right, to communicate. So yeah, my my issue is that what I've seen just anecdotally is that a lot of kids mm-hmm. at, are at an age where I would expect them to have better understanding of the English language. They have no idea, mm-hmm. like they couldn't tell you what you know, even Mm -hmm. a predicate is in in many cases, you know, let alone some of the more complex uh, instruments of our language. Like, it's like, they don't learn language, they don't learn the (coughs) English in in the technical sense, they just learn it in in almost the written sense, which, you know, writers can write it, Mm -hmm. right, from the tech artistic license all the time, but Mm -hmm. as far as understanding the base, here are the fundamentals of our language, that seems to be, that seems like it's being lost. That that's that's concerning to me. So I fully endorse culture and slang. In fact, I have a, a certain affection for hearing certain slangs and how slang differs from region to region and all that. But you have to realize mm-hmm. that it's all rooted in something, right? And let's learn. Yeah, faith yeah.
0: Course, you know, right. let me let me just read an excerpt from this because there 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 is some validity to the point that she's making. And just when you thinks that you can make the, she just when I think she could actually there's space to make an argument, mm-hmm. because what I will agree for is structure. Her mm-hmm. issue isn't grammar. Mm. Her issue is word choice. Word choice. <laughs> yes. And that's the, so she says, more often than not, the way you speak is the way you will write. I'm with that. You know, like, your your grammar and construction is a part of communication. I get it. But then she goes mm-hmm. on to say... I should link the, the, the notes, uh, Christian, probably. What'd you say? We
2: should link myself You're, in the notes. Oh, yeah oh yeah
0: the, the gibberish then she goes on to say the gibberish some of you choose to use is improper english and sometimes inappropriate for an academic setting this is an education okay pause pause right there pause right there not to interrupt but that 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 right there is an
1: example where sorry there's a really bad echo who's let's say getting a bad echo here um but there that that right there is an example of where there. this person this teacher is going too far not just too far they're this person is deliberately demeaning their students. They're, this is not this is not education. this is a teacher taking a dig at students who they know do not come from the same background as themselves, right? because if, if it were something like do not swear in my class, do not use abusive language in my class, when 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 writing, abide by certain grammatical rules, right? That would be one thing, but to say you use right there, right there, you're you're insulting children and saying that they they are somehow inferior. Like, so sorry to interrupt, but that I I couldn't I, let I'm that gonna, go.
0: I'm gonna quickly read through the, some of the list too, bruh. Yeah, standing on business, sob. we ski ski ye. Y'all ate that up. That's cat. What's up, gang? Bet. Oh my God, Miss T. The tone on the- God, this is God, this sounds like my eight-year-old. <laughs> on my normal. On my dead. Riz. What's up, G-Wade? In the cut with my twin. just five.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Bro. On hood. Gang, gang. Nigga. On me. On the set. Freak, you mean. Period. Mignon. Big dog. I mean, like, I, like, I, I, like, look, as you guys know, I was I was a substitute teacher for a bit of time. And I understand yeah. that there is an element of you are taking the lazy way out in communicating. Mm-hmm. You know, but mm-hmm. slang is a part of, the slang is a part of how language evolves. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm no etymologist, but I can imagine if you, you know, you can look at the way that the English, I mean, you could just pick a word and type an etymology of yes etymology of you pick your word and you can see how the word has evolved over time its usage like that well right now right now you're you are using a word yeah. that that originated as
1: slang that no longer is slang but is the word slang that you're using to describe slang yeah which is that word street language yes. yeah. right so that that by itself was at a time something that was informal that was colloquial it was it was two words mushed together to describe a phenomenon of how people on the street would talk okay. now we in everyday english use that that neologism that newly created word two words mushed together to describe that phenomenon that subsection of spoken english mm-hmm. and that happens all the time we every single day we're using words that 50 years ago 100 years ago 500 years ago at those times were one could argue slang. They were everyday words and expression used by the common people that the upper class, the educated would not have used, but that over time were then adopted and became part of, of the vernacular.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm actually more for the control of, of the, the, the technical aspects of the language. So you can, to me, substitute whatever noun or, or verb or adjective or, you know, adverb that you want. I just want it to be used. Right. I want people to understand hmm. its usage and how, how, English has been designed over the over the the, the, the centuries, right? And, and just to, to to better understand how you're 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 forming your ideas and thoughts, how you're presenting them so that they make sense, mm-hmm. then you can mix yeah. words. Really, to me, you know, you know, big words versus little words doesn't really matter, but you know, it's it's how how and when you use them, right? And you can use them very mm. strategically. I mean, I think we've all uh, <laughs> dabbled in code switching you know i mean we you know we've had that Mm -hmm. reality i mean you know you know we've grown up in in different space you know um but we understood but to understand what is the most effective way to structure a sentence is important to me Mm.
3: you
1: know just just well so so you you asked me about about foreign language learning and I'll, i'll tell you this the the thing that we were always taught was if you want to be a great writer or great anything, you need to first learn the rules to then learn how you want to break them. Yeah. Right. So there's there's that. There's that. Then in terms of the use of slang in in writing or even vulgarities, swear words, whatever, separate and apart from this in, in, in English class, what we always learned was it depends on the context. In that case, context is everything. If you are writing A sentence you're writing some some narrative and it's you're saying like it was a nice fucking day outside like that's that's not appropriate but if you're in but if you have a a quote (laughs) you have a quote where it's the characters in your story that you're writing and they're engaged in a fight it's a hyper realistic scene and they lose their temper and you know and 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 okay fine but I think that the bigger picture the the bigger issue sorry that that's going on and what we're talking about and and this. The instance that gave rise to this video going out was the fact that this teacher didn't set guidelines for everyone to to get on board with and did not make a plea for students to learn more formal English alongside what they were bringing into the classroom to contribute, What she did or he did was intentionally degrade and put down these kids and make them feel less than. And to the creator, the content creator's point, whose name I, I, I am blanking on her right name, now. Her um, name. We got to uh,
0: shout her out. That's that's uh, Dr. Raquel Martin. Raquel. Yes,
1: and I follow her too. I, okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it, it,
0: Raquel Martin, PhD. At Raquel Martin, PhD. <laughs> it,
1: it's the fact that now these kids who are who are being spoken to this way. I, they They know they 're being put down, they know they're being they're being insulted, and so why would they express themselves? Why would they engage in class now you 've just shut them all down
0: well like you know this there's two things so one I think about this in my day job, like the learning environment is is um first off, shout out to teachers like being a teacher is a really challenging really it 's one of the most challenging professions you can have yes because you yes. are you you are constantly being you are constantly giving like it is a it is almost a nonstop faucet of giving. And you mm-hmm. have, there are so many things that are required yeah. to have a fertile learning environment. So I, I, I want to stop short of being too critical, but as it pertains to this, like this is an opportunity where the learning environment can give you feedback in a positive way. You know, so mm-hmm. really, what's the learning environment here? How can you take that slang and fit it into a structure like if your issue if your issue is your issue is stylistic, okay, you can mm-hmm. agree to disagree on style, you know, because that's really what we're talking about. Like, we all have our own slang, and mm-hmm. slang breaks down differently depending on where you are, you mm-hmm. know, like, that That just would, but that's a function of style. So, if that's the case, then why not, I would focus on, okay, stylistically, we don't see eye to eye, but here's how like you put these things into the structure, so that when you are writing, it makes sense for you to say, but on God, bro. And the reader understands what you're saying, but that's a function of culture. Right. And right. Christian, to your point about learning a different language, Arabic is my second language. And it blew my mind once I got past the rigor of formality and started speaking it and hearing yeah. how, as someone once told me, it's a gateway into culture, like studying mm-hmm, yeah. is a part of culture. You know. And I'm mm-hmm. not just talking about black American culture, like generally speaking. It's you know, like everywhere, yeah. Everyone has it, you know, and yeah. it is the informality. I mean, like, hell, you know, when you read the Bible, the Bible is written in Latin because that was the most approachable language that, you know, or obviously the modern Bible with the New Testament, like, that's just the most approachable language that everyone could, like, nobody, everyone was educated enough to speak Greek. You no. know, so it's just like, you know, like, there's so many different ways that you can look at it historically. And for whatever reason, people just have this obsession, especially like with English. I don't know what it's like with French, even though it seems to me like France, like French. it's equally as intense. It's the same idea. I mean,
1: like, it, there's literally a a governing body of the French language in Paris
0: that decides rules as they come up. Yeah. Well, it it, it it's the same. What what uh, Doctor Martin says, you know, it's the same kind of imperial impulse. You know, some sort mm-hmm. of purity. Like the more clear and clean your language is the more like the better it is and like well that's I
1: mean that's that's a lot of what I learned in English growing up as a kid and you guys might I don't know (laughs) I I got made fun of it even uh when I was younger but you, you might have noticed that I mean I I swear like a truck driver but I I don't really use a whole lot of uh informal speech aside from that and I was watching a video um, and it's it's not intentional. That's, that's at this point, that's so ingrained. It is what it is. Uh, but I, um, I was watching a video clip before this one, where it was sort of like a man on the street kind of quiz thing. It was, it was students at, um, I think it was at Oxford. And they were asking about that, like, why, why do we have to have these certain rules? Like, if you understand what I'm saying, to your point about the communications dance, John, like, does it matter? You hear what I'm saying? You understand it. You respond back to me. It makes sense to me. Like we are communicating. What's the point? Is this, is, is, are there, there are certain grammatical rules that you have to have in place, even at an unconscious level, just to have the conversation make sense to have your sentences, your everything come together, right? Be comprehensible, but above and beyond that, are, is it about the facilitating communication
0: or is it about signaling your social status? Oh, it's 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 it is 100 percent the latter, you know, Like, right. and if you even think, you know, about especially in the black community, like language is so fascinating, like growing up mm-hmm. and, you know, do I talk white, mm-hmm. you know, and then when you get a little bit older, if a lot of black folks are really no, old, like you use that, you use that to an advantage, like it is an indication of status. You know, like I talk this way, you talk hood, you know, like I'm better than you because my English sounds like this. I sound like the white kids. And that is a signal of, you know, privileged status, even if it's completely meaningless, like you just making a choice how to talk. And at the same time, you know, you know, guys and gals that don't speak that same kind of language is the same thing. But, you want know, we'll go back to Obama for a second. I know, Chris, I mean, Aleem, you want to hop in. But I remember when Obama uh, was at uh, Reverend Wright's church with Trinity in Chicago, you know, and he was at no, Trinity, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden he's Martin Luther King Jr. on the microphone, you know, and he's just got to, you know, you kind of switch up, you switch up your language. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I've settled into adulthood, I've gotten real comfortable talking the way that I'm going to talk. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you can read your audience and forget the code switching for a second, like if you can read your audience. You've got a couple of options. You can either be really serving and and give them what you think that they want, you know, or um, you can not, you know, like you can have them kind of ascend to what it is that you're saying. And, it, it, you know, again, that's just language. Like we were just hanging out with Jay Finch this past weekend. And Jay says a whole bunch of stuff sometimes. I'd be like, Jay, that sounds really smart. I don't know what you're talking about, man. Like, (laughs) man, what are you what are are
2: we doing here? Like, I don't don't get it. (laughs) lingo but no i i I, um my experience is kind of unique um as well similar to yours christian is that i i never have i'm sorry what is that that? you cuss like a sailor Um, that's what
0: you're no i never i
2: never use i never use uh uh cuss words and i never really use slang very very that's not my comfort zone now you I, people listen to me think, "Oh well, he must have come from mm-hmm. a certain particular community, no, no, <laughs> my community was speaking is is uh, slang filled language as you could possibly imagine, but it just for me because again, maybe be just because mm-hmm. of who I am my personality, my upbringing, whatever it may be, I said you know i'm i'm more, I'm more uh comfortable in certain in certain." in a certain style of speaking, in a certain style of articulating my thoughts.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: My friends and, and people mm-hmm. around me, my peers, they just knew, okay, that's a right? That's, that's, you know, he's going to just... Right, that's it's it. just you. There were elements of the, you know, the language that was being spoken around me that I did uh, uh, adopt and absorb. My family wasn't all speaking like me, you know? I mean, uh, you know, mm-hmm. my, maybe my, my brother, you know, because we, we came from the same place. But my 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 aunts and uncles on both sides, some of them were deep South, some of them were you know South Jersey. So mm-hmm. you know? I I was surrounded by all of this different style of of, of of language. So it's all a part of me, and and at times yeah. I'll I'll evolve or or evolve or I'll I, I'll wind up yeah. in certain ways. And, and John, and evolve you know, yeah. on chat and how that that may happen because <laughs> because, because it's a familiarity to me, and, and and it's still a comfort zone to some extent as long as I can go right back to where I, you know, where I, my core, I guess. So I guess my point is, is that for me, it's not necessarily, um, and this is actually an interesting point that you, that you bring that up, John, about, uh, and, and, and uh, Christian, about um, what does it signal? So mm. I'll come back to that point, but, but Ebonics, right? we that, that conversation has been going on for about 50 years, right? You know, is, is, is that something that, that we should accept and acknowledge as, as a new language, or part of the language, or, or dialect, or something to that effect. I, as a youth, I used to, uh, I used to, um, I used to really abhor that notion. Right? Like, why are we trying? You had to say that you abhor it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you to go above and beyond just to to look, thumb your
2: nose down. And, and, at- but the, point, the point is that I, I was like, well, why would we embrace the? the um the effect of of our enslavement right of of our of our oppression which which basically you know starved us of of the uh, our educational opportunities to actually learn the language in its completeness we were we were stripped of that we weren't given that opportunity and what we developed was just ways to communicate with what we had right so why why are we celebrating mm-hmm. our oppression I, I looked at it as celebrating our oppression in a way right it is like we were kept in the dark on this. We were kept away from this knowledge, and and now we're going to try to embrace that. So it's like I didn't. I it's it's I didn't really appreciate that, you know, in that way. Now, as as I evolved over the years, I said, okay, well, I sort of understand. We don't want to. We, we're not looking down upon each other. We don't. We certainly don't, we don't want to look down upon each other and down upon that history. But at the same time, I still feel the same way. Is that it's not something. I it, it is a part of us. And we, we're not throwing hmm. it away, but at the same time, we have to say, okay, you know, th- this was the result of something being done to us that was not so good, you know. So, you know, let's let's be able to do both. Not so good, John. What is that, five now?
0: <laughs> five. Five. We, we yeah. got it picked, right? picked up by, by... <laughs> if, I, if I could jump in, I mean, like the the you guys where,
2: aren't making any work. Look, I, I'm <laughs> the one who's dropping f bombs. You, know, you know, I gotta hold it together, right? <laughs>
0: but I think, aleem I think that the, the the discussion and the debate. So one, I think language is is currency, like it's cultural currency. You know, and I, I'm guilty of this too. As I was saying earlier. Like the way that I can speak is a way for me to signal to other, especially to white folks, perhaps that, you know, I'm safe, <laughs> you know, like I'm not like them. And I've been told that by by brown folks and and by white folks, you know, like there there is, you know, when I was younger, like there's a you know, like you're not like the other ones. And maybe at some point in my life, like, oh, OK, like I'll take that as a compliment because that's what I aspire to be. Like, I am not like them. But the reason that you don't want to be like, quote unquote, them is that you also don't want to get sucked into the vortex of history. You know, like there are so many things that as a people we are victimized of or been victimized. We have been victimized like you don't want to get like I don't want to have you know, I don't want to get a girl pregnant when I'm a teenager. You know, I don't want to be a deadbeat dad. You know, I don't blah, blah, like all of these negative tropes in the black community. And it's so interesting how they get whittled down to the way that you speak. You know, like the way that you speak communicates that I'm not any of that, you know, and I'm going to pursue a certain education because I'm not like them. But I'll go back to another professor. I said uh, once to me said, like, you know, John, what's the difference between you and your brother from North Philly? I'm like, I don't know, Dr. Cato, what? Nothing. Like if you get pulled over, no one knows how you speak. No one knows how you look. You know you are you, Alim, if you get pulled over right now, you just a black man would have fitted in a beard, yeah, you know, and like that that's the reality, and that's the reality where we leave, so you know if you can free yourself from this idea that your language is going to keep you from you know x, y, and z, you know well, then you can also realize that no it it's going back to what um Dr. Martin was talking about this thing, then you can see out like this is just you know colonial currency, mm-hmm. you know, like the closer you are to us the better you are. And that is what I can reject. You know, and that's why it's like, I'm not necessarily saying that I want to use Ebonics. Um, because I don't I don't even know I don't, you know, if you ask me like, you know, what's the structure of Ebonics, I don't know it. You know, but at the same way, like I wouldn't know what golagichi is either. Mm-hmm. Like that's a Creole mm-hmm. language. And it, it is a language yeah. that is created because there's an absence of resources. Like I think it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Like you can still figure out a language and a way to communicate. Sure. When it's not given to you, when you can't write, when you, I mean, like, so, you know, I, I strive to free myself from, like, you know, kind of these, these, um, systems of confusion. Mm-hmm. Like, if I want to use slang, if I want to call you a nigga, mm-hmm. like, that's what I do. And I'm cool with it, as, as you did to me this past weekend. You know, or if, if, you know, Christian is like, yo, let me tell you about this motherfucking sword fight, like, that's that's you know like okay that's appropriate for the way that we're talking like that's how we communicate now the issue that the teacher could have also said is like you need to understand context like because that's the mm-hmm. way that you like to communicate with your friends in this very narrow area that doesn't yeah. mean that anyone's going to understand what you're saying you know like if someone comes onto you and like as far as i'm concerned like on god like I, I don't even remember i feel like that's a new york thing
2: yeah oh yeah that's that's been around that's a new york thing you know yeah. like
0: you know back mm-hmm. in the day like if someone says like yo you know on god you know it's like what are you talking about <laughs> you know we like, oh, are to god you know oh okay but it's something like john in philly <laughs> you know, like i I, Where that- I i don't even mm-hmm. use the word like i can't use the word but it's like yo, that's the joint you know and the like it's not mm-hmm. you know that's the thing it's like you get it but if you were if you were talking to somebody in the seventies or the eighties in Philly and they say, "Yo, give me that John right there," you're like, "What did you say?" <laughs> but this one really makes total sense. So you know, yeah. I, I'm done on that because I know that we're we're we uh got some other things we want to cover before we wrap up. But no, I gotta I gotta wrap up. It's I've been up since
1: four thirty, gentlemen. I've uh <laughs> I gotta call it a night. It is ten o'clock. But yeah, I got this John up exactly exactly i uh no I, I mean it was not even for a good reason i mean i got a lot done but i just i woke up at like four something i just have been up for the whole day so it's been a it's been a long work day it's been a long monday but this is a good, it's been good. an excellent conversation i, I like the like that i like branding oh. it But i do want to say we we do before we wrap though we have to uh do do one last thing and say uh one last happy birthday to john the old
2: man (laughs) (laughs)
1: had had an amazing birthday get together this weekend not not on a podcast not on the computer but in real life in person i
0: really actually as we were as we were at um uh as we were at the spot uh i was Wishing that we actually did have microphones and we were chatting. I was gonna say, if we had a, a bunch of these mics
1: on, you know, the arms and a bunch of cameras, I mean, like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, so- that
1: conversation.
0: Like we, we're gonna have to bring that up uh, again because it was yeah. it was like uh, that's a true- it was everything like this. Like you two are some of my dearest friends, and I go to all of my dear friends for different reasons and it's the rare occasion when all the people that i go to that are really a place of like comfort and security and brotherhood it's rare that everyone is in the same place at the same time even more so when it's just Mm -hmm. guys and like yeah we all Mm -hmm. you know all of our families you know but there's something about you know just Mm -hmm. the guys like getting together and just you know it was it was dope um, yeah. you know, not everyone smokes cigars, but, you know, it, it was ironic that it was a uh, smoke-filled <laughs> back room. Shout out to Preston and uh, <laughs> like, well, uh I,
2: The inflammation yeah. in my lungs the next day was, was rough. Oh. <laughs> sorry. Right. Hey, that's, I've, that's I've sorry. done it before. Listen, before everything switched to no smoking, <laughs> you know, I had to endure this in, in pool halls and whatever else.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: No, uh, that was very popular. That was. I put it like-
1: that. That was an amazing group of guys, John. You've got a, a a rare group of friends to bring together like that. So I mean, I I was thinking. I mean, we talked about everything from taking care of family and parenting to finances to the law to history. I mean, I that was. Yo, but here- I was thinking
0: about that conversation ever since. Here's the dope thing, and this is you know for all of our listeners, man. The the great thing about about y'all is that I don't feel like there are limitations on what we can discuss and what we cover. Like that's what's right. really exciting, you know. Like I can remember idealizing like Tolkien and C.S. Lewis and the Inklings. Like in my mind, they just mm-hmm. would get together in a pub and have a conversation, and there's no limits on what they could mm-hmm. really think about or what they could cover. You know, science, philosophy, theology, history. Mm -hmm. You know, like there was there was nothing that was off limits. I mean, they just happen to be great writers. Um, Mm -hmm. But like, I'm not saying that we're the inklings, but it it like I love the the feeling like, you know, there is nothing that we can't discuss, test, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you know, we can be Socratic or we can be idiots like it. it, (laughs) And it's all the same. Like, it's amazing. Yeah, I, I feel very blessed, very fortunate that I have such an incredible crew of men that are just my guys.
1: Oh, Well, thank you for inviting us and including us and, and having us be part of that group. It's what? Definitely left left that evening feeling, uh, you know. Enlightened. It, for Enlightened, yeah. I was going to say, just for folks to understand, it, it wasn't like some, you know, crazy party. I mean, there was animated conversation. It was great. But I mean, I've been reflecting on what we talked about like later that night, yesterday, today, I mean, it's, it's, it's stuck with me. So thank you.
0: Well, the thing that also, and like, I definitely want to cover this in pod and and we will cover it in a pod in the future. But the one piece that stuck out to me was having mm. the, just the cognitive capacity. I forget the term of art that we actually use, but you know, there's only so much, you know, thinking and processing that, dude, that right. the brain can do. Right. And, um, and getting some more distance, you know, and just being intentional about, you know, how you rest, how you enjoy, you know, how you recover, mm-hmm. because you know, you know, we're not automatons, you know, like we, you should enjoy life, like it's sure. short. Yeah, we're talking about that as well, you know. So, yeah. I, I, it was actually, to be honest, it's one of the best birthdays I've ever had. Um, Good, and that's no knock. I mean, last year, you know, we got together for forty, and I really appreciate y'all putting together that last year, but like, you know, I I can't describe, I'm in a better place in life than I was last year. Like I was sharing, I was going through like anxiety attacks daily, you know, like I had a pretty bad one on the way to dinner last year. Mm. And, uh, you know, this year I'm so much healthier and just to be able to just enjoy just those three or so hours, you know, with the guys is is precious. So
3: awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Me. Anyway. Right.
1: Well, it's done with that then. Happy birthday. Yeah. Thank you guys both. Great episode. Great talk. Like, subscribe. I'll do it again soon. All the all the requisite liking, clicking, sharing, all that good stuff. Hey
0: man. Also shout out to the trolls. <laughs> I don't remember what what pod we had, but shout out to the trolls. Appreciate y'all for uh upping our uh our viewership.
1: Oh yeah, the trolls. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes.
0: We had a bunch on that reel, yeah. Like, that was funny talk about just being triggered it was like hey guys yeah yeah
1: well you know they, they they love to throw in that term snowflake and uh you know i think snowflake is a great term to describe somebody who is uh white fragile and falls apart under a little bit of heater pressure <laughs>
0: so how yeah. do you, i mean like look we, we've been on the we, we had like not even a dozen that maybe not even a dozen episodes like how do you i mean i guess it's hashtagging but like how much time are you spending just looking
1: at internet? I, I was going to say, like, seriously, like, it takes, like, it, the, the biggest podcasts out there didn't even, like, get a following until, like, you know, 150, 200 episodes and oh. a whole bunch of, and still, it just, like, yeah, episode, whatever that was, like, seven. <laughs> you, I don't know, like, oh, okay, well, we struck a nerve. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you. You just got more views for us, so it's fine. <laughs> <Hilarious>. <laughs> All right, on guys. that note. All right, guys. Thank you. Right. See ya. Take yeah. it easy.